Hello, my witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 17 of The Comfy Cozy Witch with your host, me, Jenny Blonde, The Comfy Cozy Witch. And thank you for joining me today. I had so much fun last week, as you know, chatting with Rowan Oaken from Season of the Witch with Rowan Oaken. And so many of you have reached out to tell me how much fun you had listening to that episode. And so look for more to come. Rowan and I have chatted. We'll definitely be having chit-chat discussions that we will post as podcasts in the future. So I'm really excited for today's topic because it is near and dear to my heart, and that is kitchen witchery. And it's about time, (laughs) really, it's about time that I do an episode on kitchen witchery because as a comfy cozy witch, a home and hearth kitchen witch, it's just time. So I will be chatting about all things magic in the kitchen, altars and magical tools and adding intention to your foods and more in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So right now, the thing that is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy is that beginnings of spring. I went to Michael's today. I went to Michael's this morning because I had envisioned in my mind, oh, there's Risha here, Risha saying hello. She was saying hello. I had envisioned on my front porch decorating, I wanted to have my, a wooden pentacle with garland that I wrap around um, and fasten to it on my front porch. So that was my goal. And I had this big vision in my head. I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like. And the first thing I had to do was go get the garland I wanted. I already had a giant star. I would say it is four feet tall, maybe a little smaller than that, um, by four feet wide. So it's a pentacle that is about four feet, you know, every direction from point to point, from all the points. And so I knew that I needed probably about three five foot pieces of garland. So I went to Michael's and It is spring explosion there. And of course, I haven't been in a ton of stores other than Barnes & Noble. You know, I have frequented Barnes & Noble all through the pandemic, going early in the morning when it just opens. But I had not been going to really any other stores. And I forgot how early they put things out. I'm sure their spring decor has been out since probably January 1st. But I just got there today. And... It was. It was spring explosion. They had all of the Easter stuff. And of course, you know, you see all the Easter stuff advertised. I see Ostara, which I'll be talking about next week on the podcast. Um, So they had all of that. They had the garlands. They had really beautiful greenery. There's a lot of ferns and succulent, like faux succulents out right now, because I think that that's just very popular. And the macrame holders. Um, they had a lot of tabletop decor, little, it almost looks like tabletop altars, like mini altars that I actually picked up a few weeks ago. I ordered it online and then just picked it up at the store. Uh, and you may have seen that in my stories before, cause I've taken some pictures with my little mini altar that I, I sit 
cross-legged in front of on the floor and do my morning meditations whenever I'm not just feeling like sitting in front of my, my big altar space. So it is, like I said, spring explosion. So I picked out the garland I wanted. One has, it looks like lavender and a little bit of eucalyptus leaves. And that one I bought for the mantle above the fireplace. And then I bought some lavender, like faux lavender garland for this pentacle that I envisioned to have on my front porch. So I came home, was so excited. I had my partner get the the pentacle out of the basement and... We, I started wrapping it. So I started wrapping it with this garland and I was short, literally 13 inches. I was 13 inches short from garland. And I thought, no, I have to go back to Michael's. And it's like a 20 minute drive, which really isn't that big of a deal. And, and it's right next to Barnes and Noble. So I'm always looking for an excuse uh, and near Chipotle too, because I do like my chips and guacamole. So I ended up in the afternoon going back, getting the garland. And it was so funny because I walked in. I knew right where the garland was that I needed with the little bits of lavender. And there was one piece hanging. And I, when I went to pull it down, I noticed it wasn't a full piece. A part of it had broken off. And I'm like, oh, man, that stinks. It was the last one. Here, the piece had broken off. Somebody must have broken it and then just tossed it in the middle of the garlands that were next to it. I pulled the piece out of the other garlands and no kidding, it was 13 inches long. It was the exact amount that I needed to complete my my star, my pentacle for the front porch and I was just, I was so excited because that's exactly what I needed. And I, I mean, unfortunately, I did have to buy the entire piece of garland, which was $20. It was still, it was, I think, 40% off. I still had to buy the whole piece of garland for that piece that was already broken off. And I even said to the guy at the checkout counter, I said, hey, you know, since it's already broken, if you were just going to, you know, toss this, I'll just take that that 13 inch piece, because that's literally what I need. This was meant for me. You don't understand. This piece was meant for me. Nobody else was going to buy a piece of garland that was short. um, But I needed that exact piece. And it just it made my day and it made me smile. And just it's those little things that remind us of the magic that remind us, you know, to that spirit knows spirits always listening um obviously this you know obviously spirit wanted me to finish this project today and I was able to do that with the exact right size so I came home I um twisted the last little 13 inches around the last part of wood that was exposed and fastened it I fastened it just with some burlap twine and it's good to go and I posted a picture on my stories uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll go in and save it so you all can see it. I'm sure I'll post it again. But I'm really excited with how it turned out. It's really pretty. And, you know, it's just that little bit of magic and witchiness. And I'm sure my neighbors across the street are just thrilled with it because I've talked about them before and and they've seen my witchy ways. So the neighbors will, well, I'm sure, be very fond of it. 
Um, but to them, to them, you know, it, it's probably, it might just be a star, you know, it's a star, but it has, it has the elemental meanings. It has the meaning of spirit for me. So that's, what's important. So that all being said, springtime, getting ready for this new season, we're about to move into Astara, the second fertility festival when spring is coming to life, the flowers are budding, finally the snow is melting from the ground. I am ready to embrace spring and greenery and all of the magic that comes along with it. So that is what currently is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. Before I go into the main segment, I just wanted to say thank you again for listening to the podcast. I'm up to almost 15,000 listens, which is just beyond whatever I expected whenever I started Comfy Cozy Witch Podcast. So thank you all. And if you're looking for a way that you would like to support me, if you like what I'm doing here, um, go ahead and check out my Patreon. I started a Patreon. I'm really excited about it. There are three tier levels and they range from three to $12 and you get some goodies and um, freebies and spells and rituals that I'll send to you. And the top tier actually gets a bonus podcast episode released just for that Patreon group every month. So there'll be a bonus podcast episode for that small group of people. So I just wanted to throw that out there if you're looking for a way to support me and, and everything I do with comfy cozy witchery, check out the Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. And of course, you can always find me on Instagram and email me at comfycozywitch at gmail.com if you want to reach out. And, and then if you want to rate review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome as well. And I'll probably just mention this at the end of the podcast too, because I have a couple shout outs. I have a couple review shout outs that I want to give at the end of the podcast. So thanks. So today I want to chat about kitchen witchery. Yay! I'm so excited to talk about this. And like many of my topics, I feel like there could be multiple episodes on this topic because it can be broken down into so many different things. But I wanted to talk about kitchen witchery because I think it piggybacks really well off of last week's topic that Rowan and I chatted about, which was home and hearth, a little bit of hedge witchery. So kitchen witchery as you know, is one of my favorite parts about being a witch. I love putting intention into what I cook. I love nourishing my family and my friends. And cooking is just something I've done since I was very young. And since my grandmother taught me, my Grammy was an amazing chef, an amazing home cook. And she taught me a lot of what I know about working in the kitchen. And, you know, food in and of itself is magic. If you're looking at at just the ingredients and the healing properties of herbs and plants and fresh fruits and vegetables, there there's so much magic and healing properties just in those ingredients alone. And then there's also magic in the ritual of cooking and the intention that you put into what it is you're cooking. And through preparing and creating dishes, we're able to set intentions for the food that's being consumed. So again, not only are the ingredients magic, but the intent behind each ingredient and behind the person wielding those ingredients really is magic too. So... 
yeah, I just wanted to talk, t- chat a little bit about kitchen witchery and some basics. So I want to talk about, you know, some tools, a kitchen witch's tools, a little bit of herb magic, just like basic overview of herb magic. And then maybe I'll talk about some of my, my favorite recipes <laughs> as well. So the tools of a kitchen witch. Of course, the most well-known is the cauldron. And we think back to witches, um, and not even witches, but people hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And where they gathered was the kitchen or the hearth, the area where they prepared food. And typically it was in, it was over fire. And eventually, you know, fire was brought indoors to make like an indoor kitchen space or indoor hearth. Um, but over a fire in a large pot, a large cauldron, you know, oftentimes it was that cast iron pot that people cooked in. And when we think of the classical witch, we're always envisioning someone someone bent over a bubbling cauldron, <laughs> throwing things inside. And when I think of, when I say, not the classical witch, but your pop culture classical witch, and you think of some books you hear the eye of newt and toe of frog and bat of wing and tongue of dog and in witches throwing all of that into a cauldron. But what's interesting is those are actually names of herbs. Those were those were names of herbs that were used. Um, and then you know, of course, pop culture and and authors got hold of that and turned it into you know what we hear today, thinking it's body parts of animals. <laughs> but anyway, back to the cauldron. I digress, which I hear a lot of you like when I go off on little little tangents, little side parts. So your cauldron, a kitchen cauldron, yeah, it could look like a traditional cauldron that you see in in history, you know, of witches. But all all you need, all a modern witch needs is a basic stock pot or a saucepan for brewing their potions, their food, making their magic, their soups and stews and drinks and, and anything else. That's all you need for your cauldron. So that's one tool that a kitchen witch, not that I say should have, but but can have because your your tools as a kitchen witch could be completely different than mine. My kitchen cauldron is a stock pot. I have a couple different ones. I have a couple stock pots. The one I come back to over and over again and I, I cook with, I make sure I cook with for every single Sabbath is my my Le Creuset. I feel so fancy when I say it. My Le Creuset stock pot. That's my fancy cauldron. It's like a deep purple in color and it's cast iron and it's really heavy and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. Um, and it's kind of expensive, but I saved up for it for many years because I wanted my, my cauldron and that's my cauldron for the kitchen. And it's funny though, my, my partner jokes. So in my sacred space out back of our house, my outdoor sacred space, he has talked before about getting a big cauldron, um, to use outside to build a fire and, and have a cauldron, which I think would be awesome, a large cast iron cauldron. But I don't know if you've checked lately, they're super expensive, <laughs> way expensive. So moving on, other tools, a witch's spoon. So your spoon, you can think of it as your wand in the kitchen that can direct energy 
and your spoon stirs intention into the broth, your soup, your stews, whatever dish it's used for. And this could be your spoon or it could be your um, spatula even. Think of it as like your wand, like your witch's wand. And I I prefer my favorite or wooden spoons just because of the materials that I work with whenever I'm, when I use like any nonstick stuff and my cast iron and things that are coated, I like my wooden spoons. And it's extra fun to carve sigils into your wooden spoons to give that little extra, you know, touch of magic. Of course, a mortar and pestle, I think is a really nice go-to for a kitchen witch to have and because it's used to grind herbs, it's used to grind plants and nuts down into, you know, a finer pieces to add to whatever you're making. And all you do is you place your ingredients in the mortar and pestle or in the mortar and you rub the pestle along the mortar's inside surface and it crushes them up. And this is a really great way, like I said, to reduce many of those herbs to put into your potions, to put into your cooking in the kitchen. A big one, a big, big one for me, another tool, is your cooking grimoire, which is basically your cookbook. <laughs> um, I just, you know, saying cooking grimoire makes it, it sound a little bit witchier, but it's your cookbook, a recipe book containing your favorite recipes, um, food related to rituals and spells, ingredient correspondences. You could have a section in your, your larger grimoire that details, you know, all the correspondences for food, but you could have a separate one just for cooking. I have a separate cooking grimoire and it's one with all of my Grammy's ingredients that I've then added my own ingredients, or I'm sorry, recipes, her recipes that I've added my own recipes throughout the years. And I've added how I've tweaked them, um, blessings I've used for the food, for the recipes, and incantations I've created and spells that I've used in the kitchen. So it's nice to keep track of all of that in some sort of cookbook or like I call it my cooking grimoire. Another tool is the teapot. <laughs> and this is used for either heating water or you can use it as the vessel that infuses tea where or where the infusion happens, tea into the liquid. Um, and these are ceramic glass. My favorite is cast iron. Uh, but my, actually, my favorite, yes, I like cast iron teapots. I think they're fun. But the one that I use most frequently is actually ceramic. And I end up heating my water, boiling my water in a, oh my gosh, I can't get the word right now. Uh, a kettle, a kettle. So an electric kettle. And then I pour the water into the teapot over top of my herbs, my my teas, my herbs, and I have a little, you know, canister I put them in and it infuses in there. And then another important witch's tool is your pantry, your witch's pantry, which is your magical cupboard filled with magical ingredients and magical tools. And that might be where you keep your witch's spoon and other other things. And it's important to keep this area stocked, organized, and clean because you want to know when you're reaching for something, you want to know A, where it is, and B, that it's actually there. There have been too many times, in fact, two nights ago, I went, now it wasn't in my pantry, but I needed sour cream in my kitchen and I thought I had extra in the fridge and I didn't. So I should have kept track of my ingredients. I don't always do that. 
So I try to practice what I preach, but sometimes I run out of an herb and I forget that I've run out of the herb. And so I have to call a neighbor, which has happened a couple times actually since I've moved to this neighborhood and vice versa. They've done the same thing. Typically, if I don't have an herb, one of my neighbors has it. Or if my neighbor needs one, I have what she needs. And then, of course, there's always your broom or besom. So the broom is used to cleanse and to sweep away any negativity, any negative energies you might have in your kitchen. So it's good to use your broom before you have any sort of cooking or cooking ritual to get rid of those negative energies. Open a door you know, an outside door and just sweep all of that negative energy out. So you're ready to get to work in your kitchen. So when I, when I work with kitchen magic, I have small rituals that I do every day in the kitchen that I've talked about on before. I think on my, my episode about rituals, I have my tea ritual. I have my coffee. I stir in my honey. I stir in my cinnamon. Um, I'll say small blessings over everything that I prepare. Uh, But the herbs, I work with herbs more than anything else when it comes to adding intention and magic into what I'm cooking. I I make sure that I'm using herbs that correspond with whatever outcome I would like. So I'm just going to go over some quick herbs. And this is just a very cursory, fast overview of herbs and different uses. If you want a more in-depth look, I highly recommend just picking up Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. It's a classic. I've had my book since the 90s, um, and it's still being published now. So you can find that. You can find that anywhere. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your favorite local bookstore, you should be able to find it. So some, so for health. So let's talk about for like health purposes. Um, Some good herbs that you can utilize for that would be cinnamon, chamomile, of course, allspice, and coriander. And again, this is not the complete list. There are more to help you with different aspects, like specific aspects of your health. And you can find that information, you know, in the books that I recommended. But I'm just giving you a quick overview. For clarity, when you want to make something and you need some clarity with the situation, uh, lemongrass, orange, marjoram, um, and lemon are good herbs and ingredients to use. When it comes to love and making things with with self-love or love intentions, vanilla, cinnamon, you're going to see cinnamon pops up here a lot, and coriander. For abundance, some really great herbs to use for abundance are basil, spearmint, dill, thyme, and what do you know? Cinnamon! <laughs> I put cinnamon, like I love cinnamon. I add cinnamon to everything and it corresponds to so many different things and it just tastes so good. Okay, moving on. Protection. So for protection, garlic, peppermint, basil, angelica, and cinnamon. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm I'm cracking myself up. Nobody else is probably laughing with me. All the cinnamon I realize. Um, for luck, nutmeg, allspice, thyme. For peace, if you want to cook something with the intention of peace, maybe you're having a a disagreement with a partner or a friend and you want to invite them over and you want to cook something with that little intention of um, resolving an issue. Some things to cook with would be sage, 
mint is always good. So pour a glass of mint tea for them, mint and lemon tea, lemon, lemon balm, and lavender is always good. Ooh, ooh, a lavender mint tea would be perfect. For happiness, mint, cinnamon, what do you know? There's cinnamon again, and dandelion. For success, saffron, rosemary, bay, and thyme. And I think success often goes with prosperity, abundance. So a lot of those ingredients, the basil, spearmint, dill, mint, um, thyme are good. And then just overall, something that that would help you for protection and something that really corresponds to many of those items is salt. Whether you use um, pink salt, sea, Himalayan salt, uh, sea salt, salt uh, always has been tied to earth and grounding and magic. And so salt is always something really nice that you can use in your kitchen witchery. So some goddesses that are represented in the home and hearth and goddesses that that I I usually will eh, not not always but I will have like offerings to or representation on my kitchen altar. Um some of those are Breed, of course, Bridget, Hestia, who is one of my favorites, Soleil, and Vesta. And there are, I mean, there are many more that you could find, but those are some good goddesses that you could work with in your kitchen witchery. I want to take a minute and talk about kitchen altars. Not, not all witches, not even all kitchen witches have an altar in their kitchen. Because, you know, when you think of an altar, it is a place that you go to. It's a sacred space that you go to. And for many witches, and this, again, this is just me saying this from what I've heard and who I've talked to, for many kitchen witches, simply being in the space and cooking with intention is is sacred. And I believe that is. I believe that is sacred as well. So their altar essentially is in front of their stove, in the hearth, where the fire is in their kitchen. And that's great. That is, that's part of my altar. That's one altar in my kitchen. But I also have a separate altar space on the countertop in my kitchen. And it's actually a little cutting board. It's about 12 inches. It's a cutting board. And behind it, I have my cooking grimoire. (laughs) And on top of it is... A representation of my Grammy. So I have a picture. Um, sometimes I have a representation of Hestia because she is she and Breed are the two that I like to work with when it comes to just home and hearth and kitchen witchery. I oftentimes have my cinnamon. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> I have cinnamon on there. And I have representations of the elements as well. I keep my salt on there as well. Uh, a little cup or chalice for offering and a pentacle of some sort. And this, it's it's small. It only takes up about 12 inches. But I know that many people don't have the counter space, especially if you're in a city and have a smaller apartment. And so people will simply use a windowsill near their kitchen or in the kitchen space for their altar or on a small table. And before, you know, before you start 
cooking, especially if it's a meal that's really important and that you're putting intention and your energy into, then you would sit maybe in front of that altar and do a little bit of meditating before you cook. So, you know, there are little things you can do every day. It's just simply saying blessings over your food, over the ingredients. And the blessings can be something as simple as as thanking, acknowledging, acknowledging the herb, acknowledging the, the ingredient, acknowledging the earth and um, mother nature where that ingredient came from. So oftentimes when I'm when I want something a little bit more formal, let's say I'm cooking for a Sabbath and I have chosen items specifically for that particular festival. So let's say I'm making a rosemary bread. I will take the rosemary and I will acknowledge it. I will say, thank you. Thank you, rosemary. Thank you to the earth for giving me this rosemary. Thank you for allowing me to use it for you know, this cooking and abundance for my family and nourishment and protection in the bread that I'm making or in the chicken that I'm seasoning. Like I will, I will hold it in my hands and I will look at it and I will thank it. Um, And I'll thank goddess. I'll thank, like I said, the earth. I just give a lot of gratitude for, for the ingredients that I use, especially when it comes to cooking for a festival or for some big event. And then, you know, as I'm going through the process of making the bread, I'm doing the same thing with a lot of the ingredients. If I'm making uh, some sort of a meat dish, I do the same thing with whatever meat I'm choosing, whatever protein I'm using, whatever vegetables I'm using. I will go through this process with everything. And then once I've created the dish, let's say I'm making an herb crusted chicken uh, with, with some biscuits, some herby biscuits on the side. Once it's all finished and once I'm said and done, I will hold the dish in my hand. So if I make it in my Le Creuset, <laughs> I just love saying that, my Le Creuset um, cauldron, when I'm done, I will hold it up and then thank, thank the meal itself and do a blessing and I will speak to it, the intention that I have for it and the intention I have in consuming that item for my family, for whomever is eating it, to nourish my family, to give them good health, for abundance, for success, for protection, whatever whatever intentions it was that I put into that dish. I will mindfully mindfully tell tell the dish essentially the recipe or the food what I want it to do and just those words I I can feel the magic in those words and the ingredients the corresponding ingredients that I used for that particular meal so when for me when it comes to kitchen witchery and magic in the kitchen Yes, it's the everyday. It's the little things. It's stirring the cinnamon, the honey into my tea and, and stirring it clockwise to bring in happiness, to bring in sweetness, to attract happiness to me, to attract warmth to me. But it's also in some of these bigger blessings and bigger rituals for the festival meals. So some few things, you know, to bring that spirituality, to bring your kitchen witchery to that space is 
also meditating. So not just, you know, speaking to the herbs, speaking to the ingredients and, and doing your little intentional things, but bringing your spiritual witchy practices into the kitchen. So meditation is a great way to bring magic into the kitchen space. And that is as simple as sitting down with a cup of tea and sitting at your kitchen table, a clean, a clean kitchen table, a clean kitchen space, because I think whenever it's, it's clean, uh, we can better ground ourselves. Cause I know me personally, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do that. So when I sit down and have a cup of tea, I like it to be in a clean space, but have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever beverage you want and do a small meditation at your kitchen table, do a body check-in, do a body scan, see how you're feeling, check in with yourself and open yourself up to the energy in that room, in that home. Um, so like just a nice little meditation. Another way to bring some spirituality and witchiness into your kitchen is to make offerings. And this can happen with or without your kitchen altar. But, you know, make an offering or touch base with, if there's a deity you work with, touch base with them. If If it is just you know, spirit you want to check in with, or just yourself checking with your higher self, then touch base with that, you know, in the morning and offer a little, a little thing of honey, or maybe a little cup of tea or a sip of your tea or a little pinch of cinnamon, just something, you know, that, that you can offer and just say, thank you. Thank you for being here in the kitchen with me. Who, who, whoever it is that you're speaking to, whatever um, being it is that you're speaking to, spirit and ancestor for me, it's talking to my Grammy, an ancestor um, or a deity, you know, offer a little something and thank them for being there and ask them to help you with your cooking because not everybody is a great cook. It doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. And so you want help. You need some help from deity or from some higher power. Uh, You can also bring some spirituality into your kitchen by preparing and consuming your food with greater awareness. So being mindful while you're eating. And preparing your food. So instead of just tossing ingredients together, take a time to, or take the time to be in the present while you're putting everything together. Feel the texture of the food and smell it. Like use your senses to really be in the present and mindful. And instead of just like slapping together a meal. Uh, be in the present moment and just doing that and being aware while you're eating the food as well and the texture and the taste and the smell that brings just that little bit of magic into preparing and consuming food which can be pretty mundane everyday things but I think you know by now if you've listened to me I'm about making you know, magic out of the mundane, things that you that are everyday things can be magical. And you can bring your practice and your craft into those everyday things. So when you're cooking that boxed macaroni and cheese, there's nothing wrong with it, because we love some craft around here once in a while, that boxed macaroni and cheese, when you're stirring, stir some intention into that pot. 
when you're mixing together, you know, the the butter and the milk and the nice powdered cheese, (laughs) think about what you want yourself and your kids or whomever's eating it to get out of that meal. So turning, mindfully choosing to turn mundane things into magical things. And I think that's A, that's so much of my practice as a home and hearth and kitchen witch, Uh, but it's also a lot of my kitchen practice. It's those everyday things that most people just do and don't think about that you can turn into a spiritual experience and you can make a little bit more magical. Okay, another thing, uh, and this can can happen on your altar or anywhere, is light a candle. Light a candle in your kitchen space because that just... Uh, it's so calming and depending on the scent, it brings you it brings you to a certain place, a certain peace, a certain calm. And for me, when I do most of my lighting of candles, it's in my sacred space at my altar. So when I light candles in my kitchen, it makes me think of my practice. It makes me think of my craft and it reminds me to be mindful and to bring that spiritual side and bring some magic into my cooking. So just that simple thing of lighting a candle, that flame, you know, symbolizes hearthcraft and getting in touch with your your inner witch. So those are all, you know, some some tips, just some tips for your for bringing some magic into your kitchen. And I want to talk quickly. I'm trying to, I want to see quickly. Okay. This podcast might go kind of long. That's okay. <laughs> About some things you can do to balance out the energy in your kitchen. Uh, the energe- you know, energetically balance out the energy in your kitchen uh, to be prepared to make a magical meal. Because I find that I practice more of my kitchen witchery when my kitchen is clean. So the first thing is to literally clean your kitchen. And I guess this first one, I'm not talking about an energetic cleanse. I'm talking about clean your kitchen. Take everything off the counters. Take all of the things off of your appliances, all of the magnets and pictures and doodles and drawings off your refrigerator and clean wipe down your counters, wipe down those appliances, wipe down the floor with whatever you have. It's completely up to you. If you have a pre-made cleaning solution, that's fine. That's great. Or you can make your own solution in a spray bottle with some white, white vinegar, some water, and some essential oil. And I like to do this. I like lavender and lemongrass <laughs> together. That's how I like um, to clean mine. So vinegar, water, and some lemongrass and lavender essential oil. But again, I have my, pre, my pre-made stuff too. I have a Windex kitchen cleaner. When I want a really, really, really deep clean, I will pull that out once in a while. In fact, we deep cleaned the kitchen yesterday and we used that. In fact, we did our the, the stone too. We put the polish on the granite as well because I was like, I... My counters are not shining. I need my my counters to shine because I just wasn't I wasn't doing as much kitchen witchery and I knew that I needed a deep cleanse of my kitchen. So we cleaned hardcore yesterday. Another thing to do to balance that energy and get ready for kitchen witchery is to sweep. 
get that besom out or any broom and sweep your floor. And while you're doing it, imagine all the unwanted, stagnant, negative energy leaving that space. Open up a door, sweep it out, and envision sweeping all of that out of your space. Another great thing to do is to tidy up. A cluttered space clutters the mind and is a friend of negative energy. That is so true. In my sacred room, in my my big altar, in my kitchen, in my living room, if those spaces are too cluttered, I can't, I cannot do my magical workings. So especially so in my kitchen. And I'm a person I clean as I cook because I, that's just how I work. That's how I work. So declutter, reorganize, purge, get rid of items if needed to give yourself a space that you're happy to be in because you're not going to do kitchen witchery if you don't like being in your kitchen. Another great thing to do is to smoke cleanse. So cleanse a space with some sort of herbs, herbal wand, or uh, with a, a small cauldron. You could do that with a charcoal disc. Some lavender, rosemary works nicely for a kitchen space as well. Some of your favorite herbs, toss in there and do a little smoke cleanse. And open those windows, especially if it's nice outside while you're cooking. Open those windows, get some fresh air to clear out, to clean the space. Open the windows if if you have a room that adjoins the kitchen and allow all that energy to escape, the negative energy and bring in that fresh air. And you can tell the energy to escape, tell it to get out. Like I'm about to start some magical cooking in my kitchen. So I need good energy and you can help your, uh, or you can ask your ancestors or deities to help you with this as well. Speaking of that, the last thing, call in your guides. Ask your guides, ask your deities, ancestors, fairies, whomever it is that you work with, ask them to assist you in cleansing your kitchen and ask them to assist you in your practice in the kitchen, whatever it is you're cooking. So I hope that that was a good overview of some kitchen witchery. I don't know that I'm going to go into many recipes this week because I'm already almost at an hour if I if I add in the other segments. So I think that was a good overview though of kitchen witchery, what it means to me as well. And I'm going to leave you in this section with just a quick food blessing that you are free, you are free to use that I wrote. I thank you, goddess, for the ingredients before me. May they provide nourishment, love, and abundance for all who eat them. That's it. Short, sweet. This is what I say before my meals. It's just a thank you to goddess or to whomever it is that you want to give gratitude to. So now let's go into the card of the week. All right, so I'm going to pick from my Witchlings deck. I've been working with this deck a lot recently. I've got to move my recording device so I can get to my cards. Um, I've really been enjoying this deck. So let's see what Witchling has a message for us today. Show us what we need here. Okay, so we have Confidence. 
Self-confidence opens you to the energy required to carry you through each day at your very best. Well, and going with our topic, having confidence in the kitchen, I think, is key. And just not being afraid to experiment with your cooking and to experiment with your ritual and spell work in the kitchen. So let's see. Uh, Confidence is by Bluebell, the witchling Bluebell. Bluebell knows as confidence grows, as she stumbles, it could take a hit. But knowledge to gain is never in vain. When applied, its use will strengthen it. So being confident in yourself opens you to the excitement and energy required to carry you through each day at your very best. To be able to build solid inner confidence, there are elements that need to be mastered. Nurturing confidence involves the spiritual, emotional, mental, and active parts of yourself that make up all that you are. When it comes down to what it comes down to, is how you see yourself in the world around you. I really like that, how you see yourself in the world around you. Your opinion about yourself will influence your actions and reactions. Confidence requires care, so be sure to treat yourself with love and respect. When you believe in yourself, you radiate your own unique beauty, and others are drawn to you because of this powerful magnetism. As a learned attitude, confidence is something that needs to be trained and developed Feed your self-image with kindness and know that you're deserving and valuable. Oh, I really, really like this. So confidence and having confidence when you're doing your magical working is so important because I think confidence gives gives your craft and gives your practice power, more power. And confidence, I think in witchcraft, confidence comes with practicing because it is, it is a practice. And that's just what I think about that. So I do want to mention a couple things before I close today. First off, I forgot last week to do a shout out to all of you who recently left a review. So I have a few shout outs that I want to give. So first off, thank you to Melissa Jordan AZ. I guess that's that's Arizona, maybe. <laughs> um, you said the podcast is wonderful, comfy, cozy, is relatable, down to earth. I love it. So thank you. Thank you, Melissa Jordan AZ, for those kind words. Also, Choose Joy. I love that name. Choose Joy. Yes, Choose Joy. Uh, you like it's informative, practical, especially for a witch tapping into their power. I love it. Thank you, Choose Joy. And then Miller64, you made it a point to say you are not a witch. But it says, but she, I'm thinking it might it might say not a witch, but she might, because it says, but she, but she something, but it cut off. I can't read it for whatever reason, but I might change that. Is that what you're trying to say? Not a witch, but she, meaning me, might change that. I'm not sure. Uh, you're not a practicing witch, but you really enjoy um, how I dispel the unhealthy stereotypes. And yeah, that's what I, I want to do for the craft. That's what I want to do for witches um, because there are a lot of misconceptions. So thank you, Miller64. And finally, thank you to Ash Nesbit 31 for your amazing review. It's been, it was a really kind review and I appreciate that so much and that you're binging the episodes now (laughs) and you wish there were more. I'm trying. I try to get them out once a week. Sometimes it's every other week, but I'm getting there. So thank you everybody who has left a review and a rating. 
Uh, if you enjoy this podcast and, and want to do that, I would so appreciate it. The more ratings and reviews that are left on Apple Podcasts in particular, the more people see it. This gets out to more people and more people can hear what I have to share with them about my practice and about um, witchcraft in general. So I really would appreciate that. And if you want to support me in any way, uh, feel free to check out my Patreon. It's linked in my Instagram. I can put, I think I can put a link here somehow, but it's just patreon.com slash comfy cozy witch. Or if you look up comfy cozy witch and Patreon, I have some goodies and some things going on over there. And you can also check out Fit Witch Challenge, which I founded last year. Uh, it's wellness challenges all throughout, well, whenever you want. <laughs> challenges connected to the elements to help you, you know, have complete witchy wellness. And then if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at Comfy Cozy Witch. <laughs> you can also find me on Facebook. There is a Comfy Cozy Witch private Facebook group. I think it's called Comfy Cozy Witchery or maybe it's Comfy Cozy Witch. Uh, you can find me there as well. I'm not on there as much as I am Instagram, but I still do check in every day on the Facebook page. And then feel free to check in at tea time every Friday at two o'clock PM. I Eastern time, so New York time, I go live for tea. And it has been a lot of fun. There are many people who join every single week. And it has been a blast getting to know many of you through Comfy Cozy Tea Time. So feel free to join me there. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and next week I'll be talking about Ostara as we move into the um, second fertility Sabbath, and I'll be sharing with you just some background, history, recipes, crafts, all, all that good stuff. So until then, everybody, stay comfy, cozy, and witchy.